Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today we are in a series called I Got Issues, and I'm just going to be honest, I'm really glad this is our last week of this series because I've had to preach about my issues, um, and all week it has made me uncomfortable, and I'm ending with a bang. So we have been talking about in this series that all of us have got issues, no matter how good you look today, no matter how many people you got fooled and like you have just glossed over, whether you've been dating for a week or two years, and she still doesn't think you have issues. You got issues, and I got issues, right? And the goal is, how do we not allow our issues to affect us and derail us? But how do we deal with our issues? And before we get into the actual message, I want to give you kind of like just a five-minute separate message that I keep trying to take out of my notes, and God's like, nope, you need to say this. I'm like, but I don't want to say this, but nope. Um, So um, this has really no connection to my message, but this is for somebody. I'm I'm being for real. This is for somebody today. Um, One of my favorite characters in the Old Testament is Joseph. I love the story of Joseph. I love the life of Joseph. Um, I, I love reading about Joseph and how he handled himself. And if you don't know Joseph's story, I'm going to give you the Justin Graves version, the JGV today. Um, Joseph was one of the youngest sons of Israel, had a lot of older brothers, and Joseph knew he was his dad's favorite. See, you got favorites. Um, he knew he was his dad's and his mom's favorite, and he had a dream that all his brothers We're going to bow down and serve him one day. So Joseph, being the cocky little sucker he is, he goes up and tells his brothers, hey, you guys are going to serve me one day. You know what they do. I know what they do. They don't like him. They hate him. Um, And Joseph is a little tattletale. His dad would send Joseph to check on his older brothers and come back and report to him. And one time after Joseph has reported to his brothers that they're going to serve him, they're like, hey, here comes that dreamer. Let's kill him. And so they grab Joseph. They throw him in a pit. They take his stupid little multicolored robe that his dad gave him. They tore it up. They poured goat blood all over and told his dad that he was mauled by a bear. A bear wouldn't dare, but a bear dared. Um, So take it back to his dad. His dad's like, not Joseph, not Joe, anybody but Joe. Why couldn't you have taken Reuben? Why couldn't you have taken like one of my other sons, but not Joe, right? And so he's upset. And in the meantime, they don't kill him, but they actually sell him as a slave. Um, And somebody named Potiphar buys Joseph, and Joseph starts raising in the ranks, right? Because all throughout Joseph's life, it said, but the Lord was with Joseph. And as Joseph is going through the ranks and he's rising up, Potiphar puts everything in charge under Joseph. Um, And Joseph's like, man, I, I got it made. Good things are happening. And Potiphar had a wife that had the hots for Joe. And so one day in the house, Joe, Potiphar's wife says, hey, Joe, and Joe says no, right? And Joe runs, and she accuses him of rape, which gets Joseph sent to jail. You guys still with me, right? Joseph gets sent to jail. 
Um, he meets some buddies there. He starts interpreting some dreams. And like, hey, don't forget about me when you go before Pharaoh and, I, and I, you telling them all these things that are happening. Don't forget about me. But they forgot about him. And he's in jail. And man, the jailer, the kind of the, the guy, the warden puts him in charge of the whole jail. And he keeps going. And it says, but the Lord was with Joseph. Even in a jail, even when he's been accused of rape falsely, God was with Joseph until all of a sudden in, in, in just a moment, Joseph gets pulled in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, I could hear you can interpret dreams. And God, Joseph's like, no, God gives me the ability to interpret dreams. He interprets the dreams. And all of a sudden, Joseph goes from slave to prisoner to vice president of all of Egypt. Like, total power move. And all of a sudden, he's put in a position of power where whatever Joe says goes, right? And he is put in front of his brothers, and his brothers are actually bowing down before him. He has this really cool moment where they are reunited. It feels so good, right? Um, they're reunited. There's this awesome moment, and they're, all of a sudden, after he's been reunited, their dad dies, and the brothers think, this is when Joseph's gonna get me. Right? This is when he gets his revenge. This is when he gets back at us. And Joseph says this in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He's talking to his brothers. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And here's what I want to let you know. Joseph didn't allow others' intentions to affect his direction. Right, He didn't let what others intended to harm keep him from what the good God was trying to do in him. And there's no record of when Joseph became vice president of him going back to Potiphar and Potiphar's, Potiphar's wife and be like, you lied, you're going to jail. He didn't get even with his brothers. He didn't get even with Potiphar and his wife. Why? Because he was so focused on what God was doing in him and through him that he didn't have time to deal with all the wrongs that were done to him by others. And some of us, we are so focused by what others have done to us that it's knocked us off course what God wants to do through us, and we are letting what happened keep us from what God wants to do. And some of us, the simple reality is the most biblical, spiritual, mature thing you can do is get over what's happened so you can step into what God wants to do, right? Like some of you, you got to get over it. So you can step into it. Because until you get over it, you're not going to step into it. If, if Joseph, and we don't get our revenge this way, right? We just want to show everybody else up. All the naysayers, all the haters, look at me now. This is what I do, right? No. Stop worrying about what everybody else did. Get over it and step into it. So that's just what I wanted to say for just a second. Let's get into the message. My time starts now. Today I want to talk to you about Chipotle and bed bunks. Chipotle and bed bunks. Um, and I wanna talk to you. What did I say? Bed bugs? Where are we going today? Chipotle and bunk beds, that's the correct title. I can make bed bugs work, but bunk beds. And today, if you've never been to Foundations Church, this is really normal. Um, I just left and right, so stick with us. It'll all make sense, I promise, maybe. 
Um, today I want to talk to you about my last, not my last issue, but the last issue I'm willing to talk about. Um, and I want to talk to you about the issue of, I've got issues with control. I got issues with control. Any control freaks out there with me, you would join me. Yeah, all of you that I don't have your hands up, you're a liar. <laughs> Next week I'll talk about I got issues with lying. Um, but there are a few things I feel the need to control, right? One of those is I want to drive. I want to be, if I'm going somewhere, I want to drive. I don't like my wife driving me around, not because she's not a good driver. It's just I'm a better driver. So I would rather... <laughs> drive. If I'm at the house and we're watching TV, I want the remote in my hand. I don't want it in my kid's hand. They didn't pay for that TV, and they don't pay for what we're watching. They didn't pay for Netflix. They didn't pay for cable. Give me the remote, right? That's my remote. That's my TV. This is my house. You're just lucky to live in it. Anyways. <laughs> Say it for the kids back there. Um, the ultimate power move is whoever controls the thermostat in the house is in control of the house. I've, I've seen people ask, like, what temperature do you keep the house at at night? And some of you demented people say 75. I would throw up. I would just throw up, never be able to sleep. Um, one of the other things, and thankfully I don't have to worry about this because my wife feels the same way. The quality of toilet paper that is in our household... Let me tell you, life's too short for single ply. Like, you need to treat yourself. Treat yourself. <laughs> like, it's not that much more. And then the last thing, what I'm ordering when I go out to eat. Um, I don't want my wife ordering for me. We went out with some friends Thursday night, and while we were at a sushi place, um, my buddy across from me, Adam, was like, so what are we getting to eat? And I'm like... He said, what are we getting? Like, we're gonna share. And I'm like, I don't know what you're getting, but I know what roles I'm getting, and that same family style like P.F. Chang's. I'm getting this, you know, and I know what I want, and I want to be in control of it. And, and here's the deal. All of us, if we were to be honest, there are certain places in life that we struggle with control. Right? It would be great if it was just the air conditioning. It would be great if it was just driving. It would be great if it was what we order when we go out to eat. But the reality is some of us, our struggle is we are trying to control our kids. And I don't want your kids running around like crazy being like, I can't control them, right? No, 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 no. I'm talking some of you, you are still trying to decide what they wear, what they do, their actions, their behaviors, what they're eating, where they're going, and they're 32 years old. Are you hungry, mama? Help you, right? Like, mama, it's time to let that baby grow up, right? We're trying to control our spouse. We're trying to control the image that we portray. We're trying to control what others think about us and what others say about us. We're trying to control our finances, and we've surrendered everything else to Jesus' way, but the only reason we won't tithe is because we don't trust him with control over it, right? We struggle with control. We struggle with anxiety. And what happens is where we get fearful and where we get anxious at is what we try to control the most. And, and some of us, we're just going, but, but, but it's falling apart. And I don't know what else to do. And I want to stop for just a second and take a time out. And let me just for a moment say this. Don't confuse responsibility for control. 
Like you and I all have responsibility. As a follower of Christ, we have a responsibility. You have a responsibility as a person. You have a responsibility no matter what role you are in right now, whether you are a teenager or a college student or a single or young professional or you're married or you're a grandparent. No matter what you are doing, you have certain responsibilities. You have responsibilities as a follower of Christ. And for some of us to say, well, I just can't control anything, that's just a cop out because you're not being responsible for anything, right? God did not call you to a life of chaos. He's called you to be responsible, be the parent, be the child, be the person that he's called you to be. But some of us, we're trying to manipulate God's hand instead of follow it, right? We're trying to dictate the will of God instead of follow the will of God. And hear me, understand, God is not living to please you. You and I are called to live to please him. And we have gotten this backwards. And as a result, when we don't like what is happening with our life, we start grabbing for control. We start grabbing for power. We're going to make sure that we understand how this is gonna turn out. If it doesn't look like it's what we thought it was gonna turn out, then we're just gonna work harder. And what do you and I do when it comes to control? How do we not let the issue of control affect us and derail us. And I wanna give us two things today, and the first one is this. If you're gonna get past control issues, don't watch your situation, but keep your eyes on your Savior. Don't watch your situation, but keep your eyes on your Savior. Um, I, I got all kinds of issues when it comes to eating and different things. Um, I, I kinda told a little bit about myself growing up a long time ago um, when it was hamburger night at the Graves house, and I'm tiny, if I took a bite of my hamburger and all the onions and tomatoes and the hamburger fell out the back part, you know what I'm talking about, you take a bite and blah, it would make me irate. And I would grab my hamburger and I would chunk that thing across the room. And I'd be like, I hate you, stupid hamburger. And my dad would beat my butt, rightfully so. You will eat it. I don't care if it's on the carpet, the shag, and there's all kinds of Dorito chunks in there now, right? Like you're gonna, you're gonna eat that hamburger. And I, I had issues with things falling apart. The worst was taco night. You know, and you know, you feel this right now, right? Like the moment you get there and you take a bite of the taco and it cracks at the bottom and everything falls out. Mm. Still to this day. In fact, I went to Chipotle Friday night with my nephew, Jaden. We're sitting there and I knew it was gonna be bad because they come and they had to double wrap the burrito with two tortillas. I'm like, there's 500 more calories. And then they had to double wrap it with foil and I'm like, this is gonna be a mess. Like, I'm just already, or I'm already mad. I'm like, this is gonna be a mess. And I unroll it and there's juice going everywhere. And I'm like, great, right? Like I'm gonna smell like a burrito. And so I'm unwrapping it and I understand. Like I, I don't like my burrito falling apart. Right, if I didn't want, if, if I was okay with it falling apart, I would order a bowl instead of a burrito. I ordered a burrito so that it would be self-contained and nice and neat. And you gotta keep the foil around it. I know, I know this, I'm an expert at Chipotle eating a burrito. And I'm unfolding it and it's going, and it just starts looking like a flower. It just starts blah, like this. Beans and barbacoa and salsa, it's, it's everywhere. And literally on a Friday night this week, I had to control myself not to chunk that burrito across, I'm not kidding, or just to throw it away. Like it's not even worth it, it's not even worth it, right? 
Why? Because I want the way I had it pictured and it should have been contained and all nice and neat wasn't the reality. And can I tell you, what do you do when life isn't the reality of what you thought it was gonna look like? What do you do when life doesn't look like what you thought it was gonna look like and it's not nice and neat and it's messy and things are falling apart everywhere? There's two things we start doing. We start trying to control it and when we start trying to control things and things are falling apart, there's two reactions we have. We either try harder to control it. How many of you, that's you? Like, that's me. I'm like, oh, I just need to hustle more, right? Or we give up and we have a pity party. It's not even worth it if the dumb burrito's gonna fall apart, right? And we do one of two things. And one of the biggest issues and one of the biggest examples of control issues in the Bible is found in the Old Testament with Abraham and Sarah. Now, I love this story in the Bible because it makes the Bible just so relatable to me. Um, Abram, before he's Abraham, is in his 80s or 90s, somewhere in there. Sarah is right there chasing them, and they don't got any kids. And Abraham, Abram, is, God changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means a father of multitude. Right, so when, he, when people are saying, hi, my name's Justin, what's yours? He is saying, my name is father of multitudes. That's what the culture is hearing. Not Abraham, father of multitudes. Well, how many kids you have? None. And you're 100 years old. Yeah, awesome name, bro. <laughs> and so there's this promise that they were given that they're gonna be a, he's gonna be a father of multitudes, but they ain't got any kids. And so... Sarah, Sarai at this point, devises a plan. Maybe, maybe they missed it, right? Even though they had an angel of the Lord come down and tell them, well, maybe that's not what that angel meant, right? And, and we're gonna help it out because Abraham's looking at Sarah and Sarah's looking at Abraham and they're like, you ain't got it no more, right? I don't care how many pills you take, you ain't got it, right? Like it's just not gonna happen. In Genesis chapter 16, we pick up, it says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. Unbelievable. <laughs> Don't do it, men. Um, so Sarai, <laughs> Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. And when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abraham, this is all your fault. <laughs> it's been going on since the beginning of time, man. <laughs> I put my servant in your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. And then I love that the Lord will show you, like she brings the Lord in. The Lord will show you who's wrong, you or me. And Abram replied, look, she's your girl, right? She's your servant. I, I, I just slept with her, right? Like she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. And then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. And hear me, listen, listen. We have the advantage of, of knowing the full story. But if I'm Abraham and Sarah, I get it. 
It, it's not turning out. It's not nice and neat. Everything's falling apart. What should be isn't. What they prayed for isn't happening. And so, so maybe, maybe we need to get involved. Maybe we need to help this along. And when Sarah and Abraham decided to help the hand of God along, they made a mess of everything. They made a mess that they had to deal with in Israel and still to this day, there is a fallout from the mistake and the things that they did because they wanted to help it, they wanted to control it instead of surrender it. And some of us, we're wanting to, oh, we got great intentions. I'm not talking about your intentions. I'm talking about are you still trying to control what the Lord is doing or are you submitting to what the Lord is doing? But some of us are control freaks. And it says this later on in Genesis 21, verses one through five. Then the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And this happened at just the time God said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abram was 100 years old when Isaac was born. He was a, imagine waiting 100 years to see the promise of God happen. But hear me, it doesn't matter if it takes 100 years. If God has promised it to you, it will happen when God wants it to happen. And he doesn't need your help, and he doesn't need your control, and he doesn't need you trying to manipulate his hands. He needs you to surrender to his hands, right? And there's a big, big difference because here's what happens. Because Abraham and Sarah got impatient with the promise, it brought dysfunction to the present, Right, because they got impatient with the promise of God, it brought dysfunction to their present life and their present situation. And man, that happens for you and me. We get impatient on waiting, we get, but I thought it was gonna look like this and I thought it was gonna be nice and neat just like that burrito and things are falling apart and you're like, what's the use of even waiting? Why am I even following you, God? And we just are like, I'm gonna control it and I'm gonna put my hands on it. And instead of surrendering it to the Lord, your fingerprints are all over your life when God's like, man, hands off. I just need you to follow me instead of trying to control me. And some of us with control issues, it's really, really difficult because here's what happens. Just like Abraham and Sarah, they started looking at their situation. Right, And when you and I start looking at our situation, when we start dealing with what we are in, it freaks us out. It makes us anxious, it makes us panic. And we're like, I don't know what we're gonna do. I don't know what we're gonna do. And so we're trying to control it and we try to control it and we try to control it and we've taken our eyes off of our savior and we've started getting fixated on our situation. And listen to me, God is not surprised by your situation. He just needs you to focus on your savior. Nothing has taken him by storm. Nothing, God's not like, oh, I didn't know that was gonna happen to you, right? Like, oh, Joseph, I didn't know you were gonna be accused of rape. Oh, Joseph, I didn't realize it. No, there was a plan for it. God has not yielded control over your life to someone else or anything else. He just needs you to stay fixated and focused on him and not your situation. And the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one through two. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially that sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this, 
It's not, a, it's, it's not a sprint, it's not a 40 yard dash, it's not a 100 meter race, it's about running this race for a lifetime. You do that by keeping your eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Many of you grew up hearing it, the author and perfecter of our faith, right? Because the, the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. If you're gonna run your race with endurance, if you're gonna live your life running the race God has called you with and not quitting and not stopping and not trying to control it and not trying to manipulate it, your eyes have to be focused here. Not every once in a while, but daily. Because if it stays here, Oh, you're gonna be distracted, you're gonna be freaked out, you're gonna be stressed, you're gonna think you can handle it when he hasn't called you to handle it, he's just simply called you to surrender it. Luke 9, verse 23 through 25, Jesus said this. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Can I tell you, that line right there has kicked my face in all week. You must give up your own way own way. You must give up your own control and take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, if you try to control your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or, or destroyed? Let me give you this last point today. Followers of Jesus Surrender and follow daily instead of trying to hang on to everything all the time. Followers of Jesus, surrender and follow daily instead of trying to hang on to everything all the time. My freshman year in college, um, my roommate was Greg Fisher. You know him as Fish, our business director here. Um, we, were, we were roommates for a whole one year, and I drove them crazy and ran them off. Um, and mistakes were made, right? Like, there, there's mistakes that were made. There's a, bin, a, a bond that has been mended um, from our relationship our freshman year in college. Um, but we decided we were going to make bunk beds or lofts, right, for our, for our room. Um, we, we just became best friends, right? So we're going to make bunk beds. Um, make lofts so that our couch and our TV and stuff fit underneath there. Here's the problem. We had no idea what we were doing, but we thought we knew what we were doing, right? And so we went and we bought plywood. We bought four by fours, two by fours. Um, fish cut all the wood, and I'm like, hey, I can drill it, you know? And so we're, we're doing all this stuff, and we get it up standing, and I'm like, hey, I think it's good. It's standing there, right? And, and we've got a brace on it, and so I'm like, I think, it, I think it's good. And Fish's like, I think it's good too. And I'm like, well, there's only one way to find out one of us needs to get on it. And Fish is like, you, you, you getting on it? I'm like, I'll get on it, right? And we're in my garage. And so I get on this thing and I'm like, you're holding it, right? He's like, I'm holding it. And so I climb up this loft and I get on my knees like this and I'm on my knees. And I'm like, okay, okay, let go. And when he lets go, it just starts slowly going forward like this. And I'm like, and the garage door is like here. I'm like, ah, like this. And I grab the garage door. I start swinging. The whole bed comes kaboosh down. And my dad comes out and is like, what are you two idiots doing? We're building bunk beds, dad, right? Like we're, we're building lofts. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, that's not what you do. And, and it took us coming to a place where I said, dad, can you help us? 
He's like, yes, I can help you. He goes, but I'm doing it my way. And he had Fish's dad, Harlan, come over. And it was kind of this Captain Phillips moment. He's like, look at me, look at me. I'm the captain now, right? Like, <laughs> you don't get a vote, I'm the captain. And they built what we couldn't build because they knew how to do what we didn't know how to do. And they had an expertise to accomplish what we didn't know how to accomplish. And can I tell you, your heavenly father's the exact same way. When it comes to your life, he knows how to perfect your life. He knows how to make his plan come and be a reality that you don't know. And some of us, we're trying to control things that we don't even know how to control it. We don't know how to help our kid anymore. We've tried everything. We don't know how to salvage our marriage. We don't know how to get out of the the pit of uh, financial debt that we're in. We've got all these things and you've got addictions and you've got all these thought processes that are going in and going in and you've just tried to control it and control it and it's not about you controlling it's about you giving up your way it's about you handing off the reins of your life and saying you know what I can't do this but I know somebody that can it's my heavenly father if I'm really transparent with you the thing that I try to control the most is the church when we started foundation church Almost 15 years ago, um, I was really, really go with the flow um, before that. As a youth pastor, I was like, yeah, right? Like, we got arrested. No big deal, pastor. Um, now, now I'm like, what, what, what? I, I've turned into like a type A and eight on the Enneagram. I mean, I, I'm like boom, 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 boom. And um, even vacation. And it's been to the point, Casey's like, I do not work for you, right? Like, I do not work for you. Clap all you want, but I don't work for you, right? And so, I'm like, okay, Casey, I got it. And what has happened, I feel like if the church ever dips, well, if I just preach better, I can control it. Right? If, we, if we're, we're, we're here and if we tweak this and if we implement this, then, then we can control what God is doing. And I know what you're thinking. That's so messed up, Justin. I know. Like, I know. Well, if I don't miss very much, right? Or maybe I need to miss more, but if I don't miss very much, we'll keep, we'll keep just growing and reaching more people and good things are happening and our finances will keep going and we'll start phase two of this building and all these things and I wanna control it and control it and control it. And yet my job isn't to try to control it. My job is to surrender. This is not my church, it's his, right? This, this isn't my thing. This is his thing that he has entrusted me with responsibility to, but not to control, Can I tell you, parents, those kids aren't your kids. They're his. Right? That spouse that you have, that's not your spouse. Some of you are like, thank God, right? But (laughs) it's it's his. That situation and promise he's put in your life, he's in it. I'll close with this because some of us, we, we don't. We're at a place we don't know what to do. I remember um, my, my oldest daughter, Charlie. When she was in mid-high, it was brutal, like brutal. Like I'm yelling at her face at Disney World. Like, I will never take you on a vacation again, right? Like, <laughs> never doing it. And I remember, um, like, there was a really dark season where she came to us and said, Mom and Dad, I'm really struggling. 
and, and I, 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 don't, I, don't wanna, I don't know what to do, and I want to hurt myself. And I'm like, okay. You know, like that's the moment, parents, you put your poker face on, like you're not freaked out, but you're going, what is going on right now? I want to ask 500 questions, but I just need to listen. And I remember her going to bed and Casey and I staying up. And her saying, what, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to control this one. Right? I, I don't know. Dads, I don't know how to fix this one. There's no like starting over. And so we prayed. And I remember walking in the next day, and Casey's on the ground, like flat face first on the ground, and her hands like this. And I'm kind of, I don't know what she's doing. I'm like, hey, did you have a stroke? Like, are you, are you okay? Right? And she's like, I'm praying. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. You know, like if somebody's praying, you're like, oh, sorry, right? And you just run off like it's the most awkward exchange. I remember Casey just staying there every day for a year. She just laid prostrate before the Lord with her hands open, surrendering our daughter. She said, God, I need you to fix my kid. God, I need you to fix my girl. Right, because I don't know what to do and I need you to fix my girl. And he said, no, 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 Casey, you don't understand. That's my girl. And I know exactly how to fix her. And it was one of the hardest years we ever went through. One of the hardest years of just, I, I can't control this one. And I gotta surrender it and I've gotta trust that you know how to take care of this situation because I don't know what to do. And the alternative is me trying to grab on and hold on and just making it more dysfunctional, making it more worse, making it more traumatic, or I can just hand it off to somebody who cares way more than me, who knows way more than me and is way more capable than me. And some of you, you've been wrestling way too long trying to control what you can't control. And you feel like you're almost giving up by surrendering it to him. No, you're finally releasing it to a person that knows what to do. And he knows better than you do. He knows exactly what to do. So you trying harder isn't gonna fix it. You having a pity party and giving up isn't gonna fix it. But you surrendering it and by inviting God into the equation, oh, it changes it all. One of my friends sent this to me and it says, Psalms 127, verse one through two. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. And for all of you that are trying to control it, man, surrender it. Because it's a way better way to live. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today. And I pray for every person in this place, for that person that's watching online today. We got control issues. 
we don't want, we don't want them. We don't want to be anxious. We don't want to be freaked out. And we are absolutely captivated and caught up with everything that's happening around us. Help us. Help us to come to a place where we surrender to you. And not, not that we surrender at once. Not that we just surrender it in this moment, but that, Lord, every day, every morning, every evening, we're just surrendering it to you, that our hands are open instead of closed, that our hands are dropping it off instead of clenching onto it. Because, Lord, there's some of us, we just don't know what to do. And our defaults to try to control and make it happen. Or some of us, we're on the other scale of this and we've just given up because we get so frustrated. We get so aggravated. We should be better. This should be better. We don't know. And so we just stop and we stop running the race because we've taken our eyes off you and started looking at our situation. God, help us. Help us to get back into the race. Help us to keep our gaze and our focus on you and not the circumstance and not the situation and not the feelings and not the heartbreak, but let us realize you are way better at handling our lives than we are. You're way better at putting things together than we are, that nothing is surprising you. You still have a purpose, just like you did for Joseph's life. Lord, there was no left turn that you weren't ready for. There was no right turn that you weren't expecting. You were using it all for your purpose. And even when we're dealing with the heartbreaks of life, that we don't know how to control it, we don't know how to fix it, just like Joseph, you are still with us in the pit, in the prison, in the house, when we're in a situation we don't want to be. Lord, you're still with us directing us, conducting our lives. And our life's way better lived out when we're surrendering it. So let us hand it off today and invite you into the equation. It's in Jesus' wonderful name I pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.